welcome to another episode of the Bipolar Disorder Moment. My name is Alan Cooper. This is episode 10 of 12 episodes where I will be reading from my yet-to-be-published book, Brain Betrayal, The Alan They Never Met. We just have three episodes left. Time has gone by very quickly. In this episode, I will be reading a little bit about what was going on for me before my first manic episode. This chapter is called The Elements That Created the Explosion. It actually has four sections, but I'm only going to be reading a portion of two. But in my book, I thought it would be fair to let you know that before my first episode, what was going on for me was an issue at work, an issue with my marriage at the time, an issue with my friendships, and a newfound interest in Buddhism without really knowing anything about Buddhism. So these are what I call the elements that created the explosion. So it was a high level of stress mixed in with some other complications in my life. So the first section that we're going to read from chapter 11, the elements that created the explosion, is a portion of my work life. It's called work-life imbalance. My frustrations with life My job and having no support from family started to bubble up to the surface. One day, I went to work and I felt close to rage. Nakamura-sensei had his briefcase on my desk. I moved it from my desk and put it on his desk. My heart was thumping hard and my limbs were vibrating. I wanted to jump up on Nakamura-sensei's desk and fire his briefcase at his head, yelling, You have the exact same size a desk as mine. Keep your briefcase on your desk. I wanted to stomp up and down on everyone's papers on the desk and kick books everywhere and yell, As for the rest of you, I make a lot of money and I sit around because of the Japanese English teachers. They won't use me. And yes, my wife and I have separated. Rather than enjoying the scandal, maybe show some compassion. I knew that if I did that, all 900 students in that school and all the staff and teachers would believe that all Canadians are angry, aggressive people. When you are the only person people will meet from Canada, you become the face of Canada to them. After the meeting was over, I stood up and walked to the phone. I held my breath and avoided eye contact with everyone. I called the Board of Education office and spoke to the supervisor responsible for native English-speaking teaching assistants, Matthew. Hey, Matthew, it's Alan. Alan, how's it going, buddy? He replied. Um, not good. My voice trembled as I told Matthew what was going on, and how I felt like I was going to lose it. Okay, 
we don't want you to do that because that would cause a negative ripple effect, he said. I know, that's why I'm calling you, I said between clenched teeth. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to fax you some projects I'm working on. Tell your supervisor that we are sending you important work that needs to be done as soon as possible. Go to the computer room. Find a space where you can be alone and work on it. The project he sent had various ideas on how to improve our program. On the last page, Matthew had written five words in capital letters. Take the ball and run. Take the ball and run. These five words activated an area of consciousness in my brain that led to the most devastating event in my life. I told Nakamura Sensei I needed to work on an assignment from the Board of Education. He nodded his approval. Minako Sensei asked, Alan Sensei, do you want to come to my class today? My face flushed red with anger. I could not believe that was the day she finally invited me to come to her class. I realize now that Minako Sensei's English must have been good enough to understand my conversation with Matthew, and she was just trying to help. No, I'm sorry, Minako Sensei. I have some work from the Board of Education that they need me to do right away. She replied, Wake wakanai, a phrase I never completely understood, but basically it means that the speaker doesn't understand your behavior. Everyone in the staff room heard what she said, but no one would have understood the explanation I gave her in English. I felt paralyzed and frustrated. My Japanese wasn't good enough to explain to everyone what had happened. Minako-sensei had already returned to her desk in frustration. There was nothing I could do or say to defend myself. I stepped into the hallway, fighting the urge to slam the door. A group of students passed by, saying, Aran-sensei, Aran-sensei, hello! They were so happy to see me, so I did my best to smile and gave a light wave. Adrenaline was still pumping through my veins, and my brain was on fire. I tried to consolidate the pages of ideas into workable concepts. For the first time in my life, someone had told me that I was intelligent and that I had valuable ideas to share. Matthew had urged me to let the intelligence flow, unbridled, without any parameters or limitations. Take the ball and run. I'm going to take the ball and smash right through everything and score the intellectual touchdown of the century. I looked at the first page and started pounding away at the keys. My brain was free to enjoy the pleasure of high-speed intellectual creativity. It was orgasmic. As I wrote, even more ideas came to me. When I looked out the window and saw the kids getting ready for soccer practice, I stopped to check the clock. I thought I'd been in the computer room for a couple of hours. I'd been there for eight hours. I printed off everything that I'd written and admired my work. I was amazed that I had this ability to create material to enrich our program. 
I faxed my work to Matthew and headed home. I started to feel positive about my life again. I stopped by a vending machine on my way home and bought an ice-cold Sapporo beer. Then I went to the local takoyaki stand and got an order of fried octopus covered in soft dough topped with mayonnaise and bonito flakes. As I ate my dinner, I was barely aware that I was eating. I was still pumped up by all the writing I had done that day. I was already thinking about what I would write the next day. I fell asleep, feeling tremendously happy. Finally, my gift of intelligence had made me feel good. I was like a greyhound held back on a leash for years, and finally, I was sprinting, unhindered, free from any restraints. When I went back to school the next day, Matthew called me. Alan, I can't believe how much material you came up with. It's all excellent stuff. I was thrilled. It had all poured out of me effortlessly, and he loved it. Finally, my life was turning in a positive direction. Keep it coming. Go nuts. Let's see what else you can come up with, he encouraged me. I was so excited as the ideas flowed. The phrase, take the ball and run, rolled through my brain. I entered the staff room for the morning meeting with a huge smile on my face and greeted the staff in Japanese. Everyone responded in unison, Ohayou gozaimasu, matching my newfound energy and joy. Teachers smiled at the new positive Alan. I removed Nakamura-sensei's briefcase from my desk and put it on his desk without the slightest bit of irritation. After the morning meeting, I told Nakamura-sensei that I had to work on my assignment from the Board of Education. He nodded and frowned. I suppose that's understandable, because it didn't make sense that an assistant teacher would have important work from the Board of Education. I returned to the lab and wrote continuously all morning until lunchtime. In the staff room, I was barely aware that I was eating and sitting with other people because I was still thinking about more material I could write once I got back to the computer room. That afternoon, I came up with the most brilliant idea of all. I created a comprehensive evaluation system for principals and Japanese English teachers to use to rate the performance of the native English-speaking teaching assistants. Even though I spent the majority of my time at Takamori Junior High School, occasionally I worked for Yaotome Junior High School. The teachers there appreciated me a lot more. All the English teachers there took me to their classes. I was never left alone in the staff room with nothing to do. The staff were always happy to see me, and we would have conversations about life and Japanese culture. At Yaotome Junior High, the head English teacher was in his 30s, which was significantly younger than Nakamura-sensei. He spoke English very well, and he was not intimidated speaking to a native English speaker. He even asked me to correct his English in the middle of the class if he made a mistake. Since the staff at Yaotome thought highly of me, I believed that they would give me a favorable review through this evaluation system. I assumed that my review 
from the Takomori staff would not be positive, and the Board of Education would realize that the Takomori school was not using my skills adequately. I hoped this would force the teachers at Takomori to use me more. I was proud of my plan. Then I realized if I could motivate the teachers to work harder, we would all look good when the evaluation came out. I started telling the teachers at both schools that I could not disclose the reason why, but if we all worked hard, it would pay off. I realized that just by being excited and telling people to trust me, they did what I said without questioning me. I was surprised at my power. The teachers were working hard and did whatever I told them to do. I didn't feel under, underutilized anymore. I lost all interest in the work Matthew sent and focused on improving the English programs in the schools I worked in. I was exhausted by all the hard work, but I felt good about it. I was so energized that I stopped eating regularly and I only slept a couple of hours a night. I started to be more demanding of the teachers. In an increasingly raised volume, I would say, do it now. I noticed the teachers were no longer excited about working. However, I was not concerned because I was certain that once the evaluation came out, they would understand. Okay, that's the end of this section. I just wanted to point out a couple of things. So this is, is actually the start of my first manic episode. One of the things that's happening here is something called intellectualizing. This has uh, been a problem with my bipolar for a long time, and this is the first time I experienced it. Generating all of these ideas and building all these ideas and the excitement I gained from them actually ramped up my brain <laughs> to make me manic. In all of my episodes since this first episode, they all start with me coming up with some brilliant ideas, which start off okay, but then they get out of control. So I'm going to skip a couple things. Um, the only contribution they give to my manic episode is the stress. So I had problems in my marriage. That section is called marital distress. And I had problems with my friends, which is also included in a different section. But the last section I'm going to read here is called Instant Buddhist. And the reason I'm going to read this section is often there is a spiritual component to people who have psychosis that is a little off. So I wanted to share this part to help you how that, to kind of explain how that can happen. It's called Instant Buddhist. To help ease the pain of loneliness, I sought comfort in exposing myself to new ideas and philosophies about life. I rented a video tape on Buddhism. The narrator talked about how if a person tries, they can forget the concept of self and just be at one with their environment. That sounded cool to me. I decided that I could simply act like I had no self, which in my mind translated to be impulsive for any aspect of your life. 
I started to feel like there was no such thing as a boundary between objects, people, and the environment. It was all just molecules that were randomly held together. This gave me great joy. I also figured out that if I tried to forget as many things as possible, that would create a vacuum in my brain and I could predict the future. Using this method, I realized that the internet was going to be a big thing. I didn't know what the internet was, I just knew it was starting to be widely used in Canada, but Japan was lagging behind. I knew that I had achieved a higher plane of being. I thought I had reached what the video called enlightenment in a few weeks. I began to believe I could heal people anywhere in the world with my mind. I had an irritation in my nose one day, and I concluded that my brother James must be having a nasal infection. I sat down and concentrated on an image of my brother, and after a few minutes, I knew his infection had be healed. I called home to Canada to share brilliant new ideas with my family, completely oblivious to the fact that they were in extremely different time zones. I started to feel that I had reached an exceptional level of intelligence and spiritual awakening. This also led to paranoia because I thought people were chasing me to use me for my new gifts and they would imprison me for them. I thought we could get rich from the internet, so I told my family to quit their jobs and come to Japan and we would all go to Thailand. I had always wanted to go there, so it made sense in my psychotic perception that after we got rich, which I thought would take one week, we would go to Thailand. I was constantly repeating this phrase about going to Thailand during that time. It was an idea that I obsessed about. Okay, that's the end of that section. So you can see I've gone from the edge of reality into psychosis and yeah things were pretty tough after this happened okay that's the end of our reading for today thank you for listening this has been another bipolar disorder moment